When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast here by the Manchester Evening News. I am your host today, Ash Barami, and I am pleased to be joined by Charlotte Dunker. Hello. And Samuel Luckhurst. Hello again. Samuel, there's only one place we can start and that was at Old Trafford yesterday. Um, United, I mean, you said last week, last time we were on that... It, was, it would be small. It's like it's almost like a small time thing for United. And did that performance yesterday dispel any of that pretty much belief that you had going into it? Not really. Uh, I think you've got to reflect on it as as a positive how they performed in the for a lot of people they did perform above expectations. I, I genuinely did think they'd actually get a draw from the game yesterday, and the fact that they came so close to to winning has to be seen as you know. I know Solskjaer. It doesn't take a lot for him to cling on to optimism but uh, that that was a, a step in the right direction um, his, his tactical acumen was was back I think that was the first time really we'd seen that since maybe Wolves away first 20 minutes back in April when they went to a back three and they, they seemed to rumble that Wolves formation and, and could have scored more goals but unfortunately for them they ended up losing the game and the use of Pereira was was pretty innovative. I know that he likes to play as a playmaker. I certainly don't think that that's exactly the way forward for United. I wouldn't go as far to say that. But given that pretty much everything was going against them in the build-up, right down to the warm-up and, and Tunzibi pulling out of it and uh, Rojo having to be parachuted into the team, it, it was it was a positive day. There, there weren't grumblings at full time. The, the supporters applauded. There was a sense of defiance. The atmosphere was really good as well. Um, Rashford and James, I thought, collaborated very productively. I think from the moment that Rashford floored Van Dyke during that little tussle they had um, just just in front of us, he, he just grew into it. It was almost he thought, right, I've, I've got it in me to, to get one over him here. And his movement for the goal was exactly what you want to see from from United forward striker, whatever Rashford wants to be viewed as. So, despite the the timing of Lallana's equaliser, I mean, I, I kind of, I always thought it was coming, despite how how poorly Liverpool were performing, purely because United can't kick this habit of not not conceding or, or, or not successfully defending 1-0 leads. I think the only time it's happened all season was was probably Leicester and, and Astana. So Leicester's the only league game where they've gone 1-0 up and it stayed at 1-0. Um, why, why do you think that is? Because they don't score enough goals. Mm. <laughs> I think this is now, in the last 24 games, in, in 21 of them, they've not scored more than one goal in them. And... Looking at the bench yesterday, I kind of sympathise with how Solskjaer went over his in-game management because the easy thing, certainly at full-time or after Liverpool score, would have been to say, why didn't he make a substitute sooner? But, but look, it, he was on the bench. That that was that was the dilemma. You didn't want to bring Marshall on for Rashford because Rashford had, was in his groove. He, he, was, he was playing well. James's energy levels, uh, you know, he, he didn't look tired at all, really. I didn't think during the game. Pereira served a function when they went to a, a four-five-one, and they were 
they had they had little choice but to to defend that leader unless they they got something right in the counter attack, which Solskjaer alluded to in his press conference afterwards that they had certain situations where they probably could have taken advantage, but the final pass wasn't quite right. But they just they didn't have the personnel really to to kind of see it out in the end. And I think he sensed that. I mean, Liverpool are a fitter team, so sometimes that tell t- it takes its toll. And despite the fact that you know, as I, as I said, Liverpool sorry United they do tend to tire in games, and you did see that just with Rojo and Young, they didn't know which one to pick them up. It's it wasn't really fitness levels that did get Liverpool over the line. It's just the fact that a ball comes in that should be cleared, but somehow it goes all the way to the far post, and it's a tap in. And it's just that that l- lack of concentration that's cost them. Yeah, and Charlotte it was a big day for you as well. Yesterday, you were you wasn't just one United game. You were was that you were at the women's game as well. Yeah, two games in one day. What is going on? Luckily, I made it. I thought I didn't think I was going to make it to a draft in time for kickoff, but I did. Yeah, you, I, graced I, the, you graced the radio as well. Oh yeah, I, I made I my I made my uh, co-commentary radio debut on BBC Radio Manchester. Five minutes before kickoff, I was called up. No experience doing co-commentary, so I apologise if you had to listen to me. <laughs> but I was trying to do that, run the live blog, and write a match report. What was that like? Stressful at times, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Must but, be an MEN first, that. What, doing all co- three Co-commentary on blogging at the same I time. I think it has to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll win something in the MEN Awards next year. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? We'll flag that off. Employee of the year. Multitasker, <laughs> Multitasker of the year. <laughs> I can have my own category. Yeah, and on on that Liverpool game, Charlotte. I mean, you is that is this game just up? You I mean you look at United? They do get the team to get themselves up for the games like this. You look at Chelsea early on in the season, but I guess the, the test now is keeping them levels like that for when they go to play Norwich next weekend and in Belgrade in midweek as well. Yeah, I think one of the biggest differences yesterday is that every every single player raise their game raise the bar because you've seen we've seen across the last few weeks that players haven't been performing but they all seemed up for it and it just seems a shame that maybe they've got to play against Liverpool I don't think Liverpool are very good at all and there was um, it was a weird thing when you left the ground because I feel there was a bit of disappointment amongst fans and if you'd asked them before the game if they'd have taken a one or draw against Liverpool team who were unbeaten this season I'm sure they would have said yes but there was that feeling United should have just hung on for the three points and not that there were not that there aren't lots of positives to take but imagine the boost that would have given them three points against this totally invincible Liverpool side who were being hailed as the best thing since forever and this United team who were the Liverpool fans were singing weren't they uh, you're going down is what the Liverpool fans didn't sing for the whole the majority of the game but that's what they contributed yes. that United yeah. were going to get relegated so if you look at where the two teams are then it, I, it was a great result for them really yeah Samuel you look at for, I mean Rashford for example I mean that's the sort of game we were talking last week about how we upped this game for playing it for England and he, he was at that level again for Liverpool but is is the key for someone like Rashford now to put, maybe play like that week in week out do you think or do you think he can do that or is it just a case of it's a Liverpool and you don't need to be motivated for that you're going to play like that regardless I think there was a sense of like like the majority of the players I, I wouldn't quite say like Charlotte said every single player raised their game I, I think Lindelof is still is still a problem I think if two and Z be's fit and if you want to go back to a defen- defensive partnership, then you should go with Maguire and, and Tunzibi. Lindelof's regression has gone on for about two months now. 
Sand as a club like United, whether it's the worst United side in 30 years or not, you can't tolerate that. And uh, his, his challenge or lack of a challenge on Mane for the disallowed goal was, was so, so weak. And he was getting bossed by Origi at the start, settled in the second half. But again, that, that regression has continued there. Uh, with with Rashford, it, it was it was an overdue um, respect not not respectable performance. It was a good performance. I mean, Celsius said it was the best he's played in ages, and I'd go along with that. It's it's a bit of a contradiction. You'd probably given him a higher rating against Chelsea because he scored a couple of goals and United won four nil. But his overall performance thing against Liverpool was better because it was there were instances where he was getting the ball with his back to goal, but he was holding it up well, like Van Nistelrooy could do. It was one of Van Nistelrooy's best skills, and that he could hold up hold up the ball brilliantly, bring others into play. Rashford did that a few times. I think he'll even be disappointed with the the opening he had in the second half, where he engineers that space to have a shot at goal, and then it's almost as if he overthinks how how he should like how he should connect with it and what the, the technique should be. And he's he's going for the Ronaldo laces one, where it's just about just get as pure a strike on the ball as possible and, and try and test Allison. Uh, I, I do have my doubts he can do it over a, a sustained period because this has been an issue that's persisted with him since he uh, since his first full season. I think that's partly down to age. Uh, certainly not experience because, as, as Mourinho said, th- there can't be many players who've accrued that much experience at his age in so many competitions at, at club and international level. Um, but he's got players there who can ease the burden on him. I think James, he's probably the one we mention on a weekly basis who has, has performed res- from respectably well to very well. Um, I think he's probably been one of the more, more consistent performers for United this season. Marshall's obviously fit again um, and, and, and available to, to select. So Greenwood's another. So he, there are players who can alleviate that burden on him. I think during the spell where they had so many injuries and Marshall was out for eight weeks, it did seem to take its toll on him because I don't think he likes, I don't think he wants to be a number nine. I think, well, he said that himself. I think he wants to be part of, you know, a a partnership or a three-pound attack. And they've got the personnel back now for the time being, but, you know, with Tunzibi getting injured again, I think that's twelve United players have already succumbed to injury this season. The clocks and the clocks haven't even gone back yet. So, um, unfortunately for them, I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise if if, if Rashford were, were to pull up again sometime soon. So, it, it, a lot of things, the, the stars have to align really, like they did when when Solskjaer took over and things just clicked, and he had Marshall uh, one side of him and Lingard the other. Yeah. But you touched on it then because he doesn't like playing as a number nine and we've all sat here and said that's not his best position and he wasn't deployed in that yesterday because he had James alongside of him. Yeah. So if you look at it that way, that could be why he was playing with more confidence and it was a better performance from him because while the onus obviously still is on him to score, he's not the only target man that United have got. It's not, maybe he didn't feel the pressure that he is the sole person responsible. I know he was, ended up being the person that scored, but if he's working with James as a partnership, maybe that's why he felt more comfortable and that's why we saw a better performance from him. Yeah, I think when the team dropped and you looked at it, you just, the formation that leaps out is is 3-5-2. And we were discussing, do you really want to put James and Rashford on Van Dijk and, and Matip when you've got that many midfielders and it seems a little bit defensive minded. But then of course the game started 
And I think this is, he doesn't do it enough, Solskjaer, but when games kick off, there tends to be, when he's trying to change things up, there is an element of surprise about selection. And the one yesterday was that Pereira was playing as the playmaker. And then suddenly what looks like a defensive setup looks quite attack-minded, you know, 3-4-1-2. Klopp typically said it was 5-3-2, but that was just his scouse outlook on it. And he was, he was, he was mildly bitter afterwards because... I mean, I wouldn't say botted it at United again, but he was overly cautious at United again. And that tactic worked really well at Tottenham in January when it was Lingard breaking through and Rashford and Marshall splitting. Rashford scored that day. The goal on Sunday was a very, very different goal, but he wasn't isolated at all. And I think it did help that he had that. I mean, there were a couple of instances he had early in the first half where he got the ball, his decision-making wasn't quite right, but Solskjaer was applauding him, trying to encourage him. Then a minute later, he barges Van Dijk to the ground. And at that point, you know, that hardly ever happens. What, what striker do you, see, do you see actually do that to Van Dijk? And he's he scored twice against Liverpool before. So, you know, the, the confidence is coursing through him. And as I said earlier, in terms of his movement, it kind of reminded me of... Hernandez really that I mean Hernandez was very limited outside the area he's a very very different player to Rashford but his movement inside the box was there were very few defenders who could keep up with him yeah I mean we'll get on to the post-match comments from both managers and in the build-up to that Rashford goal I mean it's it's divided opinion I mean was it a foul was it not depending on who you ask a Liverpool perspective or United perspective what where do both of you stand on that was it a foul or was it not and also does VAR is it a clear and obvious for VAR to even get involved in rule out? I thought it was a foul, but I don't think it was clear and obvious. To, but going off the VAR terminology for them to say... Yeah, that's not why VAR was yeah. brought in, was it? To say, oh, sorry, there was a foul three moves back in a build-up to a goal. Yeah. The referee saw it. Yeah, that's what I thought, because people have said it's a foul, but... It, oh, yeah, again, I think, I think yeah. it was a foul, but... But then should v, but VAR were looking at that... That foul and the build-up to it. So if, if you're going to stop, if you're going to stop the game, I know, but you're stopping the game for every single foul that the ref's seen and, deci- and has decided n- not to give. I know that was in the build-up to a goal, but then you've got to relook at all the rules of VAR yeah. all over again. I think it, it can get quite tedious when managers harp on about it after games because it's it's a little bit like always complaining about a referee, which obviously it's 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 related to, but. It would have been more refreshing if Klopp had said, you know, come out and said, yeah, I, I, I was angry at the time, but we didn't we didn't respond well to the United counter-attack. I didn't realise until I saw the replay that, it, I mean, I, I, sometimes it's, it's amazing how current something can feel, but then when you watch it back, it, it looks very different. And United had an awful lot of work to do to make that goal happen. And I didn't realise just how close Matip was to Rashford. And if you look, if you... Klopp, you should be saying or thinking, you know, what, why is why is Matip not keeping up with Rashford there? Why is he not keeping his eye on him? The ball actually goes past Van Dijk as well, um, but you know, this is this is Liverpool. It doesn't take a lot for them to feel affronted or that that sense of injustice that pervades over them. And it, it happened again yesterday. It, it from from United 
United fans must have been particularly uh, gutted when they didn't win the game because they'd have won the game where VAR ruled in their favour on two occasions as well. It's just that, Everyone's that heads would have fallen off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that would have made it a lot more sweeter had they won. Do you think it was a lot of bitterness from Klopp in the post-match press conference saying United defended Solskjaer saying they almost didn't? And well, what so. did he expect they were going to... What did yeah, he honestly yeah. think? How did he think they were going to set up? You're talking about one of the most dangerous attacking front threes. I know um, Salah's out, but they're known for scoring goals. United are just above the relegation zone. How on earth did he think they were going to set up? They went... 1-0 up and then the second half they retreated didn't they they sat back they wanted to defend and wanted to get the second goal on the break it didn't happen they didn't get the second goal but I know he's not happy but he's not happy because they had a chance to go there they were the favourites they should have won they should have turned up they didn't turn up that's why it's not happening so it's easy to turn around blame the opposition manager for not playing football and it's not like they looked like adventurous either is it I mean last season the nil-nil they, they didn't they didn't look like they wanted to come out and like take the game to United either so when United players were dropping like flies as yeah. well um, I mean match of the day doesn't doesn't ever really breach BBC's uh, impartiality guidelines and looking at the highlights last night I think they showed six United attacks and six Liverpool attacks which was for the game probably about right there weren't that many there wasn't really a save in it it was just Alisson or De Gea having to, to field the ball from time to time. Um, but of course, if you're a Liverpool fan and you're slightly bitter, which a lot of them were, uh, it seemed on Twitter, you'll look at the possession stats as if possession matters so much in a game. Uh, you'll, you'll look at shots on target. And yes, Liverpool technically had more shots on target, but this was... The, the European champions, the team five points clear in the Premier League uh, on a 17-game winning run coming to Old Trafford and frankly looking quite frightened against the worst United team in, in over 30 years. Um, Mourinho kind of touched upon it after the 0-0 at Anfield a couple of years ago when he said um, Klopp didn't let the game break because he was changing attackers, but he kept the midfield three of, I think it was Henderson, Vinaldum, and Chan he kept them there. He didn't go for the game. You can understand that it's it's Liverpool United. There's always an element of cautiousness about it, and I don't I don't actually blame Klopp for taking that cautious approach because I think everybody sensed that United would try and get on the front foot, would try and take the game to Liverpool, and maybe Liverpool thought their fitness would would tell uh, towards the end of the game, and it it kind of did in a way. But then to carp on about United defending. Um, Afterwards, the irony is, by his logic, Liverpool were and have been in this fixture just as defensive. They got a goalless. It was you know it was a goalless draw in February. I think the best chances in that game still fell to United, Lingard and, and Smalling. Um, I, I know if you want to go on shots and target and all that nonsense, I think there were occasions in the game yesterday where United had openings and they probably should have tested Alisson more, be it Rashford's shot. Fred had a couple of sighters as well. But it was, it was, it was just, as I said, it was, it was mild bitterness at him not getting his way. And th- there's a tweet that Tony Evans, um, who writes The Independent about Liverpool, posted a couple of seasons ago. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the phrasing of it, but he referred to it as the abusive partners approach to football in that there's this modern trend, and Guardiola did it recently, of praising teams who try and play 
expansively against you and then you go and thrash them 4-0. I think Guardiola said how wonderful, brilliant, brave, courageous, bright and worth for coming to City, playing so expansively and obviously getting trounced 4-0. And there was some oddball Liverpool fan who had a tweet up a few years ago about how he wished Eddie Howe and Bournemouth all the best for the rest of the season. They didn't park the bus like Pulis or Allardyce or Mourinho. They played so, so expansively um, and we beat them 4-0 or something like that. That Liverpool ran riot at, um, at Bournemouth just before Christmas. So it's almost as if if somebody doesn't play the way you want them to play, i.e. in a way that enables you to beat them, they are worthy of criticism when, frankly, United would have been ludicrous to play expansive free-flowing football against Liverpool because they're Liverpool is such a superior side so it's it's just it's it's endemic of um of, of the Liverpool mentality really and this this element of entitlement uh that they've brought you know that they've they've kind of developed in recent times but I think Guardiola is the one to blame for it I always remember Guardiola on the pitch after the Burton game was, I think it was 9-0 and he was out there shaking everyone's yeah, hand. Yeah, exactly. You that, never do that. No, that, that's... Remember the that, Wigan game. That is, ex- <laughs> that is exactly the game uh, that I was trying to think of. There was one particular example where, I mean, there's that clip of, is it Messi when he's a kid consoling some kid during a Barcelona youth game? I don't know what the score was, but you'd imagine the score was like 7-0 or something like that. And it's like, you know... We're, we're going to be really, really sporting, but we've just absolutely trounced you. So it's patronising, exactly. Isn't it? it is. It's yeah. it's patronising. It's belittling. It's condescending. Like a show of sportsmanship is um, Flintoff and Brettley uh, at Edgebaston in two thousand five, when England have just won by one run, I think it was. Um, and, and Flintoff has. You know, I don't think he bowled the delivery, but that that sportsmanship. That's a tight encounter. Um, Bobby Moore and Pele at the World Cup when Brazil won 1-0 after a very even game. Sportsmanship isn't you telling uh, an opposition manager how brave and courageous you were and patting him on the back after you've just trounced him 4-0. It's just, it's this, look, City and Liverpool are superior than the rest, but, you know, go about it in a in a more, in a more, um, how, how can I put this? Just just in a, a, a more edifying way, I think. Yeah. And, Charlotte, I mean, the formation Solskjaer tried out. Do you think that's something that's going to give him a bit more food for thought when he goes into these sort of games and maybe Norwich on the weekend? Or do you think he's going to revert back? I feel like it shouldn't be a... They did well against Liverpool in that formation, so they need to continue playing that formation every week. The test of a good manager is looking at the opposition, looking at the players you've got available and seeing how you play to your strength to, to beat your opposition and... He was talking about, yeah, um, did you see he did that chat with Darren Fletcher on the side of the pitch and they were talking about why he picked that formation and how it was, they used to play um, under Ferguson and they pressing up the wings, but not really just knocking the ball around and getting the crowd behind you, that sort of thing, rather than free flowing attacks. Like we said, they would have just got battered. So I feel like it worked for him yesterday. Is he going to play it every week? Should he play it in every game? No, in my opinion. I can't wait till it comes out that it was Ferguson who picked this formation. <laughs> Let led you in oh, and all week at Carrington. Because he was spotted at Carrington watching the under 18s. Who knows? They were, trying to shoot, they were trying to shoehorn uh, a reporter who should not be named was trying to shoehorn that angle into a story on the 
Saturday until I uh, told them to take it out. But <laughs> yeah, someone tried, um, Ferguson was there to mastermind. Uh, you can write his initials down on a piece of paper. Yeah, you can <laughs> tell us afterwards. You can, you two can guess, and there will be the yeah. quiz that doesn't get answered on the podcast. <laughs> this week's teaser, right there. <laughs> yes, Samuel. I mean, that, that formation. Do you think Solskjaer maybe doesn't get enough credit for that? The, the change in it, inevitably. No, I, I think he's 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 got a decent amount of credit from it in the the write-ups I mean that that had to be reflected in in the piece that I did as I said that certainly during that purple patch his his honeymoon period there was was a lot of that on display at Tottenham um, at Arsenal when he had Lukaku on the right and Lingard through the middle with Sanchez on the left Um, I think it was another game as well Chelsea away in the FA Cup as well I remember he was telling Pogba to move out to the left a couple of moments later, Pogba whipped in the ball for Herrera to put United 1-0 up. Uh, so he, he has got it in him, but for some reason, despite preaching you know, fluid football, United have looked very, very rigid for most of the season. And that is partly down to the injuries, but I think he has still had the personnel there to try and you know, be a bit more flexible with his tactics. Yeah, and... I want to move on to the. I mean, I was watching Scott, the post-match stuff on Sky afterwards, and they had a quite a lengthy debate on the on the striker situation at United, and it got me thinking. United, and most people would say that they do need a striker. Charlotte, what sort of striker would you think that United do? They need, like, I mean, the, I think the debate was along the lines of: Do they need a goal scorer, or do they need someone who's a bit more creative, does a bit more work, someone like Firmino or even Son for Spurs? What do you think United need in that sort of position? Well, the issue is, if you look at the attack, they've been lacking getting delivery from the right wing. So they need someone who can play on the right wing. But you need, they lost Lukaku, who was their number one goal scorer. So you need someone that's going to score goals. If Rashford's not popping up with them, then you need a proven goal scorer in your team. And I know, did you see that clip of um, Roy Keane suggesting they got Harry Kane? And they all just stared at him. I mean... What are you looking at me for? Yeah. What are you looking at <laughs> I think there must for? be the most terrifying <laughs> words uttered in, in humanity when uttered by him. Yeah. Uh. So stern as well. He was being serious though, wasn't he? Yeah. But they need, they need someone... You need They need a player in the team who they know is going to pick up at least like one in two or a regular goal scorer. They haven't got that in the team at the minute. But if he's going to play an attacking fluid front three, then you need someone who's capable of playing across all three of them positions. Yeah. But I don't think it's just a one-by one solution. Yeah. I suppose it's, it's the sort of thing that United do, though, isn't it? They go and get the best players from the best teams. And Harry Kane... It, it's someone that shouldn't be like off the radar for United, for example. That is their, that is their level of striker. And if Harry Kane was to go to another club, and you'd think United would be someone who would be definitely interested. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think you know, <laughs> pigs developing flight is still likely to happen than um, than United signing Kane. Uh, it, I mean, Neville's. The, the, I watched the debate Neville had about it, and it, it was it was interesting. I mean, people forget that he was technically wrong when he said that we won more titles with Zaha and Rooney than we did with Van Nistelrooy. They didn't Zaha that season where he came in. Uh, well, it was pretty much the it was, it was pretty much 2006's calendar year. Van Nistelrooy got dropped for the League Cup final. Zaha started because he'd scored in every round that he played in scored in the final, Ferguson kept him in. United then went on a really, really good winning run to the point that I think they were only six points behind Chelsea in a season that Chelsea eventually did 
close to the league under Mourinho. And then Rooney and Saha, of course, started the next season. Van Nistelrooy was sold that summer and United won their first title in, in four years. But Ferguson actually upset the rhythm by bringing in Henrik Larsson um, in January and playing Larsson when Saha was fit. I think Saha obviously eventually got injured. I think that's partly why Ferguson brought Larsson in. But Larsson, there's this myth that he was a rip-roaring success at United. He wasn't. I think he only scored one league goal. It was a very sensible buy to make, but... He had a very good start, didn't he, when he first... He scored in his debut against um, Villa, but then the next week they played at at Arsenal and and Saha was fit and Ferguson kept kept Larsson in when Saha had been brilliant up until that point that season. I think he only scored, Saha only scored one more goal uh, that campaign. But United won the league and then they signed Tevez in the summer. So although that Saha-Rooney combination, I think you could rightly argue, was the start of Ferguson's third great United side coming, you know, get, getting going, um, it, it was it was more down to the way they played after then because Ferguson did decide he wanted a quicker front man to, to partner Rooney. And obviously Tevez wasn't wasn't renowned for being pace, but he was nippy and he certainly did quicken the play when he used it. And you had Ronaldo becoming a world-class player as well. And they are kind of, it is a similar situation they are in or were in. The difference is that the internal replacement hasn't come off and there wasn't enough evidence last season to suggest that they should get rid of Lukaku and and rely on Rashford and Marshall or Rashford, Marshall and, and Lingard. And as Charlotte said, I think they it, it is a, a two-player solution they need to look at in terms of they need two signings to come in. Mario Mandzukic is not that solution. I think, I mean, United have, he's, his name, you can't get rid of him, but United have, get, have downplayed that recent speculation. I still wouldn't be surprised if they, they go for him in, in January, but if they do, then they're going to look rather foolish because they could have had him in the summer. And you look at his goals record, it's not good. And people say, oh, he's been more successful than United have since 2013, as if that matters. Well, Gary Cahill's been more successful than United since 2013, but they shouldn't have signed him. And Zukic is 33, he's immobile. He doesn't score very many goals. He's never played in England. He's pretty much the antithesis of what Solskjaer wants in the signing United have said the perfect age to sign a player is 23 he's 10 years older I don't care even if you're getting him in on a short term basis he's not the player they should be looking at in January but they do need to make their minds up as to whether that type of player is I mean Dybala did tick a lot of boxes but ultimately you know he didn't really want to go to United and I can understand why United um you know, quickly called their interest in him purely because they're of the opinion that they shouldn't be taking on players who don't probably want to play for the club. But again, they they, they are going to need two new forwards next year, minimum. If you're going to bring in someone that old as well, then you need to be convinced that they're going to be the solution, the difference between you getting Champions League football, for example, and not because they'd just be viewed as a short-term solution and I don't think he would be he would be the difference between them achieving something they want to achieve and not. So then you look at it and think, what there is no point actually. If you can't if they can't get who they want in January, what is the point? There is no point wasting money and bringing these people in if it's not going to make a difference short term. If you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Because Zaha the, probably was the last <coughs> mid-January signing since the, they, um, since the January transfer window started who had an instant impact and was a, a success at that point. I mean, Skulls came out of retirement yeah. in 2012 and, and was excellent for the rest of that season, but that's completely different circumstances. The trouble... United have now is I think they paid some like 12.8 million for Saha in 2004 if you want that type of player now Saha was at Fulham who were mid-table club a comparison would be someone like Callum Wilson I mean James Robson was joking while we were in Netherlands in the Netherlands that oh United will be linked with with Callum Wilson Bournemouth he's young he's English he's a goal scorer blah 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 and then of course the next day Sky Sports News report that United <laughs> I was going to say at... was it not then James Robson himself that linked no, to that even, even, even he didn't he, he didn't even <laughs> he didn't even pitch it as a story he probably should have you could see the cogs turning in his brain this would be a good yeah, one yeah yeah <laughs> it, and then unfortunately Sky unfortunately for him Sky ran it the next day and someone like Wilson, I, I don't know what his contract is at Bournemouth, but you'd imagine, given the financial situation Bournemouth are in, how stable they are, they'd probably want about forty million for him, maybe more. Yeah. And should United be paying that money for a player like that? They probably shouldn't. I think they might have to take a risk and look overseas. I mean, again, it's it's not someone they are definitely interested in. I'm not saying it if, if that were the case. I've done a story on him. But someone like Timo Werner kind of makes a lot of sense in that you can probably see him going to Bayern Munich sometime in the near future. But he scores goals. He's playing at a decent level in the Bundesliga. He's a German international. He's he's a relatively young age. But that's that's just a suggestion. It's probably one of the 804 strikers they're looking at. If only they had a director of football who could sort all this out. <laughs> if only. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe Samuel will be it. Maybe one day. Liam. <laughs> I, I still think Liam is, uh, it's, it's, Liam's jobs to, it's Liam's job to lose. <laughs> we'll see about that one. Um, uh, Samuel, um, we, we, finally, I mean, I want to touch on Partizan midweek and Norwich on the weekend. That's going to be now three games in seven days. And looking at the United squad, it doesn't seem to be a squad that is built to play three games in seven days, is it? No. I think that if... As, as hackneyed as it sounds, if you were to offer Solskjaer a point at Partizan Belgrade with a makeshift League Cup lookalike side, then he'd, he'd probably take it. I think I do dread another Alkmaar in that United will just eke out this very uninspiring draw and it's a it's a long way to go for uninspiring football, but it's 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 hot out there at the moment. So that's I suppose. Oh, is it? The, yeah, it's in the late twenties. So oh, that's that's delightful. the upside of it. It's it's not your you think Belgrade and the Europa League, you think Baltic conditions. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I was thinking. It's um it's unseasonably warm out there at the moment. So that's that's some that's an incentive for United fans to make the the trek, even though I think a lot of people are probably anticipating a, a pretty poor game. But if if they win it, then They've, they've pretty much got one foot in the knockout round. We can get you and Rich to do a podcast out there while you're there. Indeed. So the yeah. listeners can uh, listeners know sat, about sat that first. basking in the sunshine we're, oh, while we're freezing over here. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. And Charlotte, I mean, would you say, would you say similarly, I mean, three games, seven days, that sort of squad, it's, it's not ideal, is it? No, and the game against Norwich is arguably more important than the game on thursday night so you'd imagine that he'd rest a lot of the players that played yesterday and norwich haven't won i don't think in the league since the city game so 
so, it's, it's, it's all set up, isn't it, for a, yeah, a tasty that, clash on Sunday? That's, that's the perception of it, and that there are probably a lot of United fans who are fearing a defeat there, or of the mindset that I can't, you know, they can't see United winning at Norwich because of that City game, because it does strike you as awkward. But then you've got to look at it and think, from you know, from Solskjaer's perspective, he has to look at it and think, Aston Villa went there and won what? 5-1, I think, five yeah. One. Um, Norwich have had a few injuries recently. You know, just take the game to them, show that you're Man United and they're Norwich City and and beat them. Uh, they, they desperately need a win in the league. I think mm. it's, well, it's been well over a month now. And finally, which players against Belgrade would you just not chance like definitely not t- even bother taking um, you'd say Rashford not, not, probably not, maybe not so won't. much not chance but you, you play Romero because it's the Europa League um, probably rest Maguire uh, because I think he's, he's he's played at a reasonable level McTominay I wouldn't risk because he's, he's one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment by virtue of the other most of the other midfields being poor, even though a couple of them picked it, things up against Liverpool. And yeah, given that Rashford and probably Rashford and James, I think you don't want to risk James at the moment as well. But it depends who, out of the injured players, who they're assessing, who, who they can bring bring back in as well. Uh, that That's obviously going to have a huge bearing on it because in Altmar, even though Altmar have started pretty well this season in the Dutch league, um, playing Gomez-Chong, it, it didn't, didn't didn't work very well at all. Matter even didn't you know, didn't pull up any trees out there. So it's it's a fine balance, but it's one of those. It's probably the last one, not the last one, but you know, Solskjaer might look at it as look, let's just get through this, and then they've got Partizan at home. Astana, I know it's a long way to go, but you'd think that regardless of the team they put out in that one, they they should win with with relative ease, and then it's a last home game against. Um, against Altmar and they'd hope to have qualified by then yeah Charlotte similar sentiments would you yeah it'll be interesting to see out of the injured players because I wouldn't necessarily rush to put in like Pogba if they decide that he's fit personally I wouldn't start him maybe let him come off the bench have half an hour but for a guy that's been out for weeks to throw him into a Europa League group game that you're not really not saying they're not bothered about winning it but bigger games are coming yeah Yeah. wonder what the pitch is like out there as well Oh, I can't. We I can't. We might. cannot have another press conference that, yeah. where all they talk about is the pitch. We just can't happen. In, in my in my defence, <laughs> I didn't ask about the pitch. Samuel asked <laughs> continuous questions about the, the state of the pitch. We just went on and on and on. Your first question on Wednesday. Uh, I, I think they're they're training at uh, Carrington on the morning on Wednesday. So I don't know if that is, is a hint at yeah. pitch pimple out there. But if the weather's nice out there, that you'd think that. You know, enough sunshine that the, the, the turf should be in a reasonable state it's not astro we know that mm. yeah don't forget your sunglasses then clearly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> need them thank you charlotte thank, thank you samuel thank you. um if you haven't already subscribed to the manchester z podcast be sure to do so spotify aircast itunes whichever platform you listen to us on and we shall see you next time <laughs>